Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Sounds like the Israelites murmuring and complaining. Good, good morning, everybody. Good morning. You brought us out here to kill us. At least back in Egypt, we had food and water. Anyway. How many of y'all, I'm going to ask just to start with a question. How many of y'all know at some point God has spoken to you about something specific? Okay. Now, of all the people that have their hands up, which is, should be everybody, but how many of y'all think you reacted the exact same way when God spoke to you? You think anybody in here exact, reacted the exact same way as the person across the aisle? Probably not. Now, when, when God spoke to you and then you chose to react however you did, do you feel like God gave up on you if you ran away or, or didn't do what he asked? Do you think he gave up? How many of you felt like you didn't do the right thing? and you ran, and then God came back and still gave you the word again. Still happens, right? Because I, I, can, I can promise you, if you're sitting in here today that, and watching even online, that God has spoken to you. He is speaking to you. He will speak to you. Past, present, and future, just like the song says. Same God yesterday, today, and forever. When God speaks to you, then you have a choice. You either can say, okay, I want to do that, God, for you, or, well, God, then you start the questions. I don't know if I can do that for you. That sounds kind of difficult for you. Man, I don't know if I can pull that off. I don't have the resources, or I don't know the scripture, or I don't, I'm not bold. All kinds of excuses up. But I can promise you that God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for each one of you. And you may think it's something so small but God's eyes, it's just as important as anybody else's. We're all part of that same body. The same Holy Spirit speaking to Pastor Fred is the same Holy Spirit speaking to everyone else back there. Same Holy Spirit. He's not giving all his attention to Pastor Fred and giving you five seconds. Like His purpose for you and plan for you is every bit as important as anybody else in here. I think we need to have sometimes a revelation of that. Is God really speaking? Is God really telling me this? Is God really pushing, pulling me to do this thing? So I want to, I want to talk as I was reading some stories this week. This actually had, I had no intention of going this route. Um, and then the more I kind of read a few stories, it, it all kind of started lining up. Um, so I just want to simply title it, When God Speaks. We're going to use a few biblical stories to see the different reactions that people had in the Bible and that we still have today. No questions asked. And if we're honest, I think we'd be willing to say, yeah, that was me. And I've touched on this, I know, before, but I want to start in Genesis, start way back in the beginning. Um, we got Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve have a couple kids. Cain and Abel. That's okay. I can, yeah. 
It's Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Four, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. So it came about in the course of that time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought an offering from the firstborn of his flock and from their fat portion. Obviously, they're the first children, and obviously God was saying, Adam and Eve were saying, we, we give God an offering. That's still true today. Now, immediately when we think offering, what do we think of? Put your money in the offering, right? But there's different kinds of offering of love, giving to each other. Just because you're offering in the offering bucket, that's not the only kind of offering God prompts us to do. He wants us to praise him. You know, that's the one thing that we can give God that God like allows us to choose to do. Without, you know, does God need your 50 bucks? If you think, well, I'm I'm putting in a thousand, is God going like, oh man, I needed that this week? Right on time. But the one thing that we can choose to give him that really can touch God's heart, I feel, is, is our love. That we choose to love him. We choose to say, God, I love you, and I want to follow you, and I'll live for you. He's not going to force you. But that's what he wants you to do. But anyway, back to the offering. So one of the, one of the things that God, when God speaks, is he wants us to give an offering. How many of you know that God has prompted you at times to give an offering of some kind? Like, again, it could be financial, but it could be, I want to bless my neighbor, I want to bless somebody, you know, in the drive-thru, or I just need to go love on somebody that maybe even I don't like or know that well, but I still feel like God's telling me to go speak an encouraging word to them. These all fund our offering. So that's one, step one. So we got three things. God speaks. God's going to speak about offerings. Now we're going to jump to Jonah. Most people know the story of Jonah. Just simply Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, because their wickedness has come up before me. The word of the Lord came. In other words, the Lord spoke. Does it always mean, you know, we read that, do you think it's some always? Could be, but not necessarily. Most of the time what we have is God speaking to our spirit. It's your inner man that's, that's connecting with God. You feel something down in your heart, down in your spirit, going, ooh, I know that's God. The word came to Jonah, get up, go to Nineveh, and cry out against it. He's telling Jonah, go preach to them. Go speak. Go to this place that you don't want to go to, that you don't know, that you're not from there, and preach. 
God is also telling us in this day and age to use our voice, to go and do great things with our voice. Sometimes it's just to tell somebody about the love of Jesus. Sometimes it's to call out a brother or sister in their sin or where they're at in their walk. Again, sometimes it's just an encouraging, sometimes someone just needs an encouraging word. Sometimes someone just needs to know that, hey, God still loves you. You might have given up. God didn't give up. You're beautiful. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God wants to use us to encourage each other. So step two, we got an offering, and we have preaching the gospel. Now again, we, we, we want to put that into a certain point of saying, well, I have to preach the gospel, I've got to be standing up here. No, you do not. You do not have to be on a stage to preach the gospel. And I put it into those terms, even though I probably could have worded it a little differently. I, God wants you just to talk about him Talk about scripture, talk about the Bible, talk about Jesus, talk about the love, talk about the forgiveness, talk about the peace. The more you talk about these things with people, the more people are going to get it. They're going to receive it. They're gonna, it's gonna, you're going to deposit seeds. And I've said it before a lot of times, we, we expect the microwave reaction. You know, If I don't know Levi and I just go up to him on the street and say, Levi, man, God loves you, man. Jesus died for you, man. He went to the cross for you, man. Your sins are forgiven, blah, blah. I'm expecting to Levi in middle Walmart to go break down in tears and, and you know, get on his knees. And if he doesn't do that, I feel like I failed. But you have to have faith that you have to have faith that every time you do that, every time you, you're prompted to go speak to somebody about the Lord, that you're depositing a seed. Even if you don't see an immediate reaction, even if they're looking at you going like, get out of here, man, you're putting a seed down into their spirit. And then you're hoping, well, no, you're not hoping. You're believing that someone else is going to come along a little later and water the seed and continue to water the seed and water the seed. And eventually that thing grows in Levi, and he's like, man, I'm starting to see it. Because I said this before, you know, from me for, from age like 18 to like, I can't even say a number, but a lot of it's a blur for bad reasons. And people could come up to me and go, remember that time we blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, nope. But I can tell you about every time someone come up to me, a stranger, and said, hey, do you know the Lord? And I started thinking one day, why do I remember those so vividly? Some stranger approaching me somewhere but I don't remember this awesome time I must have had one night. And it's because I firmly believe that when the word of God gets deposited down in you, it's there to stay. It's not going anywhere. It's, it's in there somewhere. I don't care how much you rebel, turn away, run, hide. It's in there. And it's, and it's at those moments in, in life whenever you're struggling, like the prodigal son, you're, you're out there in the world, and you're living, you're, you're homeless, and you're, you're hungry, and it says he, ca he came to himself. He realized, wait a minute, oh my gosh, I just got to go to the Father's house. I had it all there. And that's us too. It's in those moments when we're, we're down, we're out, we're struggling, that you remember that word that someone said to you, 
man, they told me Jesus loved me. I, I don't feel it, but man, maybe it is true. I got to give this thing a shot. And for a lot of us, that's, I mean, if we're honest, that's what it was, right? You finally said, I've had enough of this. I'm just going to go to church. I just need to go to church. I don't know why, but I need to get to church. And the family members probably told you, man, why don't you come to church? Why don't you go to church? And you're like, I don't want to go to church. I remember going when I was younger, and I didn't want to go, and I'd wake up Sunday morning tired and cranky and didn't want to go, but when I left church, I felt good. I just felt good. And I, I, didn't, I didn't understand it at all. I didn't understand it. I didn't have to tell people. I'm just like, I just feel better when I go to church. But if someone would say, like, man, are you a Christian? I'd be like, yeah. I go to church. Offering, preaching the gospel, speaking God's word. And our third, final part of this story we're going to tie in is Mark chapter 14, verses, or I think it's actually just verse 34, yes. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has his last, you know, he's getting ready to go to the cross, and he knows it. And he's struggling, he's suffering. He takes a few of the disciples, he says, he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here, keep watch. In other words, stay with me. Stay awake, keep watch. The third thing that God's telling us to do is stay alert. Be awake. And he gives on this verse to say and pray. We're going to tie that into it. Stay awake, stay alert and pray. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 that the enemy, your, your enemy, the devil, just creeping around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And it says, be sober and alert. Resist him. Resist him. And the word in there that's key is like, he can't just come overtake you. He can't just come and, and, and grab you by the arm and yank you away. He has no power to do that. You have to allow him. When he comes over and saying, I'm going to take you away, and you go, okay. That's what we do. And sometimes it's hard to resist. We all been there. No, devil. Devil, I said no. It's a microcosm of it, but that's... It's a lot of us where we're at. We try to resist, we try to resist, we try to resist, and we fail. So here's our three things the Lord's, three things the Lord's asking. Give an offering, preach the gospel, stay alert, and pray. Now let's see the way we respond to these things. Genesis 4, verses 4 and 5. Most of us know this. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Cain became very angry, and his face was gloomy. 
thought of versions say downcast. Here comes the Lord. He's like, Abel, I love your offering. Thank you. Cain, you failed. In Cain, instead of receiving that and kind of saying, okay, whoops, what can I do better? He gets angry. And really, who's he angry at? He's angry at God. He's also angry at his brother. Why is he mad at his brother? What's the key root of the anger? Jealousy. Jealousy. Man. Loved his offering. How often does that stir up in us when you see God's favor shine, supposedly, on someone else, but not you? God's saying, I want you to do this thing. And you feel like you did the same thing as Johnny over here. But then you see Johnny start reaping the rewards. It's, it looks like in your eyes, he's getting blessings, he's getting favor. I gave an offering too. A lot of times we think our offering is comp we compare it to someone else's. I want to do what they do. So if it works for them, I'll do the same offering. The problem there is God's telling you one thing. He's telling them another thing. Oh, so to get God's favor, I just let's see what they're doing. I'm going to do that. Almost like in the book of Acts, you know, he said, Paint, I'm going to pay you to get that same you know, anointing that God has. I want, I want to pray and do all these things. Like, whoa, 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 that's not how this comes about. No, no money, your money ain't going to get you anywhere. Cain got angry. That was his response when God spoke. Anger. And if we're honest, we, we respond the same way a lot of times. The first response we have, anger. Jonah. Next, next slide. Jonah, chapter 1, verse 3. But God said, get up, Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. But Jonah got up to leave. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship that was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, boarded it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. If God says to you, I want you to go here, what he's also guaranteeing you is his presence is going right there too. His presence is already saying, I've paved the way for you, I've made the way with you, I'm going with you. I've already prepared something for you. And by faith, we have to see that God's outside of our natural time and order of things. God's already prepared all this. He just wants you to go step, step, step. And no matter what's coming, no matter what's coming at you and around you, you focus toward
guess what you're doing? You're creating your own path that God has not prepared for you. God has not made the way. What possible good can come out of that? It's disaster waiting to happen. It might start out okay. You might take 10, 12 steps going, man, that's what God wanted, but man, this, this is a lot easier. This is a lot smoother. But eventually, that's going to lead to destruction in some manner. It's going to tear you down in some manner. And here's the, and I, and I, this is me, this is a, I'm, I'm thinking a lot of people will share this. You start walking down this path outside of what God wants, and it might seem like there's nothing going on around you. You're like, man, this, but inside, you start getting un, unsettled, no peace. You don't sleep. It'll, it'll just eat at you, and that's, that's worse than anything. That's like worse, you know, it's like, whew, I don't know about anybody else, but man, when you, when you just know, when, you're just, when you just absolutely know that you're walking away from God, you can't ignore that. You just keep going down that. You can't. I can't. It just eats at you. you have no peace. Jonah fled. How many of you all fled at some point? God said, go here. You went, nope, I'm running over there. And the enemy will use a million excuses, and you'll believe them. I'm not smart enough. I don't speak well enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have the resources. I don't have the knowledge. I can't because I have all these this things. I can't leave that and go there. I can't do that. Every excuse in the book, the enemy will just he'll he'll, he'll write it up for you. Oh, you need an excuse for God? Just like you need to get out of school? There you go. There's a whole bunch of them. Tell God all that. It'll work. <laughs> Cain got angry. Jonah ran. Next slide, Mark 14. Mark chapter 14, verses 35 to 37. 35 to 37. And he, be Jesus, went a little beyond them, fell to the ground, began praying that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? How many of y'all, God is prompting you to, to do something, prompting you to, to speak on something, go somewhere, start something, and you just go to sleep? Physically and spiritually, go to sleep. Just roll over and, eh, I can do that later. God's saying go, and you're like, I'll, I'll go later this week. Call that person. I'll call them later this week. 
Pray for that person. I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. Pastor Fred. Monday night, you and Kristen are 10 o'clock, going to bed, laying there, pretty quiet. All of a sudden, you hear, hear a noise. <laughs> Kristen, get the gun. And then you hear another noise. Then you hear what you pretty confident are footsteps. Can you just roll over and go to sleep? <laughs> Kristen's got it. Let me drink. Kristen, could you go to sleep? No. <laughs> Mike Allen, you're laying in bed, getting ready to go to bed. House is quiet. Kids are in bed. Everything's, all of a sudden you hear a noise. What's your first thought? <laughs> all right. But your first thought might be the kid, maybe the kids are, you know, doing something, right? You at least have that. And you get up and you go in the bedroom, kids are sound asleep. You walk back to your bedroom, go lay down, and you're hearing something downstairs and you're hearing like footsteps. There's a noise. Are you going back to bed? Just no. Something's in your house that you don't think should be there. You can't just ignore that. You can't just fall asleep. You know there's someone in your house and everyone's in bed. You're not just going to go to sleep, correct? You're going to find out what's going on. But in the, in the supernatural, you all got stuff running around your house. You just roll over and go to sleep. You got demons running around your house. And you just roll over and go to sleep. We're good at ignoring that. But just think about the natural. If a, if, a, if a burglar or someone breaks into your house and is walking around, you're not just going to be like, eh, I'll, I'll worry about it in the morning. No. You're dealing with that immediately. But we all know that the enemy has put stuff in our lives, is trying to get in, is trying to do things, but we'll just roll right over and go to sleep. Deal with that thing. Deal with that, whatever it is. It's different for all of us. The enemy's got some plot he's trying to build up, some way he's trying to get at your family, your, your wife, your husband, your kids. Deal with it. Don't just roll over and go to sleep. So we have Cain getting angry. Jonah ran, the disciple went to sleep. Three ways we kind of respond to God's word sometimes. So now let's go to the next step. Go back to Genesis. This is Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Lord says to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face gloomy? If you, if you 
do well, will your face not be cheerful? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. What does the word if always imply? Choices. Conditions, yes. I mean, there's, if always means there's, you know, some kind of decisions to make. If you do well, Cain, in other words, where was the responsibility at on Cain? Cain had every chance in the world now to make it right. God came back and said, I just want to make it right. If you do well, joy is going to come upon you. But if you don't do well, sin is lurking at the door. And I'm, I don't know about anybody else, it's, maybe it's a Jay thing, but I, when I read this, I picture sin as this little, like, creature, this little deformed creature at the door, just standing there, just hovering there at the door, like it's an actual, like, object. And its desire is for you. That sin is like, I want you so bad. And he's saying, you, Cain, you, City Reach, must master it. In other words, that thing is harmless over there. It can't do anything to you unless you let it, unless you choose, unless you open the door and say, come on in here. You look lonely out there. Again, that's the only way sin can get in is if you choose it. It can't just come and overtake you. It has no power to do that. The only way it has power is if you give it to it. It's just like the refrigerator. The refrigerator is no good just sitting there until you walk over and go, plug it in. Now it's got power. Sin has no power until you plug it in. And as soon as you give in to that sin, he's hopped on. He's hopped in. And then usually what he wants to do is bring a lot of buddies along. Got one, got one, got one. God tried to restore Cain. He said, listen, you're angry, but all you have to do, do well, master the sin that's waiting to devour you. All right, let's go to Jonah. This is Jonah, still, still chapter 1, verses 4 through, uh, I think it's 6. Yes, 4 through 6. However, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the stern of the ship, laying down and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you're sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. It's kind of just interesting that just like the disciples, when God's saying, Hey, Jesus, like, stay awake, be alert, blah, blah, and they fell asleep. Jonah, there's a storm all around. God hurled a great wind and, and storm, and Jonah's sound asleep. I didn't even care. 
it's his fault, he doesn't care. Next slide. Still in Jonah. I didn't put the whole story in here just because it gets kind of wordy, but picked out verses 12, 15, and 17. So Jonah 1, 12, 15, and 17. Jonah says to them, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you because I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. Jonah recognized it was his fault. You know, I could have chose to walk in the presence of the Lord, but I ran over here away from the presence of the Lord. And Oops. <laughs> I brought a storm with me. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. And see, that's a microcosm of us. If God is saying, this is the path I have for you, walk on it. He's prepared the way. When you say, nope, I'm going over here, not only do you mess up your life, you're going to mess up other people's lives too. You get away from God's presence and start walking on your own path, What's going to start coming out of your mouth? What are you going to start sowing into people? If anything, you'll start bashing the church. Or you'll start bashing Christians. And they think they're another thing for And you start sowing. Sin. Now you become this vessel for the devil. You become the sin in someone's life. You're that creature at the door. Come on, come drink with me, man. You don't need to, you don't need to get it. What's that church doing for you? What's your Christian family? What are your friends doing for you? Are they doing anything? They ain't hanging out with you now. Here I am. At least I'm hanging out with you. Don't at least have the sense to say, Oh my gosh, God, this is, it's my fault. You get rid of me, you get rid of the problem. How many times have we had to walk away from certain people? I bet there's people in here, I don't want to show your hands with this, but like, you've probably recognized it yourself that you were a bad influence and got yourself away from somebody to do the right thing. Next slide. Now we're to the disciples. So Mark 14, now we're in verses 38 through 41. 38 through 41. Jesus told, tells them again, keep watching and praying. Stay alert. Pray. So that you will not come into temptation. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to say in reply to him. Oops. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? That is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Jesus said, Keep watching. Stay alert. Keep praying. Why? Because temptation. 
Sin is there. It knows when you're, when you're just, it's pouncing on your weak moments. And again, that's what I'm saying. When you, if, if you've got sin in your life or you've got stuff you know, that you know is not of God and things are going on and you just roll over at night and go to bed and go to sleep, God's like, stay alert. Pray, 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 pray before you sleep. God wants you to have rest. He's not saying stay up 24-7. He's saying while this stuff's going on, you're just not dealing with it. It's desires to have you. You better deal with it. You will fall into temptation. The spirit man, your spirit man is alive. Rocky Balboa, let's fight. The flesh is like, I don't feel like training. I don't feel like doing that. And we have every excuse in the book. Again, we, we, our flesh makes all kinds of excuses about being tired, cranky, sore. Well, it's not fair. I'm dealing with this. It's not fair. This is happening. I got, I got all this. I got this. I got this. You'll make every excuse in the world to shut your spirit man up. But again, Jesus kept trying. He kept trying. He didn't just, first time saw him sleeping and say, I'm done with you guys. He kept trying to come back. Hey, are you still, come on, wake up. Keep alert and pray. Left, came back. Come on, are you sleeping again? Stay up. I'm trying here. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Next slide. Even when you get angry, you run or sleep, the Lord's not going to give up on you. He will give you another chance to redeem yourself. He's going to keep trying. But again, he can't force you. He can try all kinds. I mean, just like the enemy's trying. God's trying all kinds of ways to, like I said, you get on this path away from him, you start feeling all that ugh, unrest and unsettled. That's God's way of saying, I mean, I'm trying to get you back over here. Let's go. But a lot of us, we just keep trying to choose to walk in non-peace. When you get angry, God deals with it. God says, okay, all right, you're angry. I'm going to let you chill out. But I want you back. Choose to do well. If you do well, you're not going to be angry. If you do well, you're gonna, your face is not going to be downcast anymore. You're going to be happy. You're going to be joyful. Next slide. We have three ways God's, God speaks, the three ways we react. Now God's trying to, one final chance, to like to restore you. Let's go. Come on. Genesis 4.8. Cain's angry. God comes and says, listen, if you do well, everything will be great. Cain talked to his brother Abel, and it happened that when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and Not the best response. But again, how many of us fall into that? Again, going back to you're watching someone else get favor, blessing poured out on them in your eyes. You feel like you're doing something just as good. They served at the Thanksgiving outreach. I served at Thanksgiving outreach. I don't, they donated 
all these bags of clothes. I donated bags of clothes. And God blessed them with a new car. What? Why didn't I get what they got? So you're, you're kind of angry at God. And you also then have anger at this person out of jealousy, even though they didn't do anything to you. They didn't do anything to you. They didn't hurt you. They're not rubbing it in your face. From everything we read in Scripture, Abel, Abel didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I'd like to think that, you know, he was never going like, <laughs> God rejected your offering. <laughs> Cain was angry. God tried to tell him, if you just do good, everything would be great. Cain responded with murder. And again, many of us, we do the same thing. God's trying to change your mouth, to change the things you say, the anger, the way you sow discord, the way you sow murder, you talk ill about each other. And God's saying, I don't want you talking like that. I want you to love each other. And then we turn around and start speaking negative and anger anyway. Remember, Jesus in the New Testament, turn murder, he didn't just, it's not just the actual taking of a life, it's what? Talking, like, about your brother. Talking ill about your brother or sister. Murder. If I go over here, if I go to Christine tonight and go, you hear about so-and-so, and, -so and, -and, and I start just bashing on things they did, or, may, or putting down their character, or putting down this, I'm murdering that person. Because now she's going to think a certain way about him. Then I'm probably going to tell somebody else, and they're going to think a certain way about him, and then someone else, and all of a sudden their character's shot. Their reputation's shot. Cain got mad and just went right back into sin. Next slide. So first way we respond again, after God has tried to kind of set us straight, Given to sin. Cain murdered. Next slide. What did Jonah do? Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. In other words, Jonah, your plan is still there. You ran, but your plan's still there. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim it, proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. This time Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Now, yes, even Pastor Fred and I talked after this. He, he kind of gets mad because he didn't think the people in Nineveh deserved it. But what happened was when God came to him and he restored him the second time, Nineveh, he got up and went. He didn't fight. He didn't run away from the presence of God. He got up and went. 
He might not have wanted to go. Matter of fact, if you, I mean, if you kind of read into what, you know, his reaction, he didn't want to go because he didn't think they deserved salvation. But he got up and went. He obeyed. And again, you don't know the reaction of your, or the uh, result of your obedience until you do it. There might be someone God's telling you to pray for, reach out to, call, text, that you don't like. Or they don't deserve what God's telling you to, to do. God might be telling you to buy someone's lunch in here that you don't like, and you're like, I don't want to spend money on them. I don't want to pray for them. I don't want to call them. But God might be using you in just an unbelievable supernatural way to change that person's life. And even afterwards, you might come back still going, God, I didn't like that. You still might be a little, but, but that person's life, because of your obedience, has changed. Which should be the most important thing. Jonah might, not have got, Jonah might have been upset, but the whole town of Nineveh heard and received the gospel. Heard and received. Believed in God. Cain got mad. God tried to restore him. He went back to sin. Jonah ran, ended up in the belly of a fish, but the word of the Lord came back to him a second time, and he obeyed. Next slide. Ways we respond again, repent, follow the Lord. I didn't put on the slide, but I mean, I want to read in Jonah chapter 2, his prayer from the belly of the fish. I mean, it's, it's powerful. If God comes to you and says, Here's a plan for you. You run. Best, easy, not easy, best thing to do. I know it's not easy a lot of times. Repent. Go right back into the path that God had. Repent. Go right back. And finally, the disciples. Next slide. Mark 14, 43. Again, this is, I kind of, Broke it up just because it gets a little bit wordy. Verses 43, 46, and 50. Immediately while he was still speaking, this Jesus, Judas, one of the twelve, came up, accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs who were from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. Jump to 46. They laid on hands on him and arrested him. And what happened to the disciples? Verse 50. The disciples all left him and fled. What do you do when persecution comes? Ask yourself. Because, I mean, we, we, we talk about it in here. The Christian life isn't one of just... Fondue, chocolate, 75 degrees, peace, love, joy every day. Nope, it's going to come with persecution, temptation, suffering. And that's what happens to 
so many people that you see them come through the door or you bring somebody that you've been praying for or a family member and you're like, everyone gets excited. Man, look, finally, yeah, they're going to they're gonna follow the Lord. They're going to get saved. And they come on, they come in, they, they get they get saved, and I mean you just like boom, rejoicing in heaven, victory. Two weeks later, they're gone. What 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 happened? Persecution came. Old friends showed up. Someone put a seed of discord in, you know. Well, you know what that church does? You give them your money, you know what they do with that money? You know what that pastor does? You know half that congregation is... People will say anything. I'm not, and I, I, don't, I don't just mean this, I mean all churches. That's a, that's a broad statement I'm saying. People will just start finding ways to tear your walk down when you start this thing. They will find a way to sow discord and get you into like, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, you don't know that. That, that pastor, man, he, he's, he's actually like, I mean, he, he's whatever. I mean, I don't, even, don't make anything up. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, I, don't, I don't know if I want to go there. And I... Well, that first sin's creeping at your door and you go right back to it because you just feel like, ah, I just can't resist. I can't, I can't say no. And now I can't go to church because I feel like I'm guilty and I'm ashamed and I, so you feel like I got to, you feel like I got to choose one or the other, you know, can't go to church anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm back, I'm back being bad. You flee. You run away. You leave the church. Not just the building. I mean, you leave. Christians, you don't even want to talk to them anymore. Last slide is scattering. Ways we respond. I'll bet you every person here sees one person a week that they know used to go to a church and they don't anymore. You might know why, you might have no clue. But you probably see them and go, and I believe it's okay for us as men, women of God to talk to them. Find the truth out. Find out what, like, someone might just be church hurt. You know how many people are church hurt? And it could be something, in your eyes, that's so mundane and just, what? But to them? They might have reached out to somebody and got no response and went, see? I don't even try. No one, no one responded. I went to the altar and no one prayed with me. I'm, that's why I don't even try.
Or you might find out that they heard a lie. They heard something that's just not true. And you're like, that's not true. You can like sit down with them and be like, that's not true. Let me, let me help you out here. Let, hear both sides of the story. If you know somebody, you see somebody that you're like, I know they used to go to church. And again, it doesn't have to be here anywhere. And now they don't go. Just go talk to them. Not in a way of like, what are you doing, man? Get to church. No. What happened? Compassion. One of the greatest, most overlooked things, I think, in the Bible with Jesus is, a lot of times you read, he had compassion for people. We miss that. We don't have, well, I shouldn't say that as a blanket statement. We lack in that area, I think. Go talk to that person. Say, man, what happened? I, I just want to know. I'm not, I'm not judging you, condemning you, or insulting you, or looking down on you. I just, I want to know what happened. What, can I be of any assistance? Can I help? I'm going to wrap this up with getting back to the beginning. God's speaking. He's in the business of speaking, communicating with us. He's in the business of guiding you, instructing you, correcting you, getting you back over here, getting you over there. Can you imagine having God's job trying to work all this out? I mean, working all things out for good. Man. It's mine. It's just uh, my mind can't. I can't comprehend it. We're not supposed to anyway. But when God speaks to you, He gives you a direction, gives you a command. You can choose to obey, or you can choose to run, or you can choose to ignore it. God's not going to give up. What I'm challenging you to do today is make a commitment in your, more in your spirit than your mind to say, I want to, I want to follow you, God, on this path. I want to do this thing no matter the cost. Like Katie said, I choose to believe. And I know sometimes it's challenging because you feel like God will tell you something and you're like, no way. I, I can't do that. That's not possible. I don't, I don't have, whatever. But God's saying, will you just trust me and believe? If you're at point A, and God's trying to get you to point P, you don't have to know B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O. Did I miss any? You don't need to know all the points on the map. Just trust, trust God that you're at A, and you're going to be at P, and you're going to get there, and you're going to get there. And you got to keep going, keep walking, keep plugging, stay the course, remain faithful. I think a big revelation is by faith you have to realize that God is, out, again, outside of our time and has that path laid out for you. It's already laid out for you. You just have to make the choice to say, I resist this, and my eyes are focused on the prize that God has for me. I want my crown, and I'm going. Let's stand.
Levi, it's good to see your smiling face, brother, I'm telling you. You're just a blessing to be around. We need more Levi in our lives. I'm going to pray of you. I, I just I want everyone just to kind of have that moment with the Lord to say, you know, to open up your spiritual ears to say, Lord, um, I know you've spoken to me, or I know you're going to speak to me. I know there's a path that either I'm on or you want me on. Some of you might say, I just need strength to keep on it. Maybe you're on it. You just need strength to endure. Others might say, I'm not on it. Lord, restore me back. I want to get on it. I don't want to run anymore. I don't want to flee. And I don't want to go to sleep. Lord, we thank you for <clears throat> every heart in here, every, every spirit, every soul in here today, Lord. Lord, and I just pray a hunger to come down on each person here, Lord, a hunger to serve you, walk with you. Lord, your love for us is just so amazing and so sometimes even hard to believe and receive, but it's there, it's truth. And Lord, I know you love us enough to restore us, to get us back onto a path and a plan and a purpose that you've called and put down inside of us. And Lord, some are struggling to get on that path. Some are struggling to stay on that path. Some are struggling to finish the race. You look at Paul who was beaten and shipwrecked and imprisoned and hungry, and, but he endured. He fought the good fight. He finished the race. And Lord, I pray that those that are growing weary and weak and feel like they just can't finish, they can't, they can't get there. But Lord, we know that the Bible says in our weakness, you are strong. When we admit, Lord, that we're just weak and, and we're, we're tired and, and we're weary and we just feel like the enemy just keeps coming and coming. But Lord, you say you will strengthen us to endure and complete the race. And Lord, there are others that just have ran. They've turned their back on you. They've said, I, don't, I can't do that thing. It's too hard. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough, all these things. And I'd rather just live my own life and just stay out of the spotlight and uh, just curl up in a blanket and go to sleep. But Lord, I pray that you stir them, awaken them. Lord, by faith, let them see the, the prize. Let them see the result of their faith, Lord. I know sometimes we just need to see it. We just need to feel it. What's my purpose? What's my plan? Why am I doing this, Lord? Why? Lord, I pray that faith will just be deposited down each person and it will be stirred up and shaken, Lord, that they will just grow in it to walk in it. <clears throat> 